Church family, it is so good to be able to worship together, at least virtually. And I know we look forward to all being together again. But if we're open to the Holy Spirit working in our life, this season can be a time when God does something beautiful both in us and through us as His church. Because I believe He is using this season to refine us and to, to give us a new understanding that we all are the church and that we take God's presence and God's message of hope with us everywhere that we go. When that happens, when we're transformed into being the church instead of going to church, amazing things will happen. One of the things that uh, during this time of isolation that we wanna make sure that we grow in is prayer and intercession for others. And so today we're outside of an emergency room at a hospital that's been treating hundreds and thousands of patients. And the medical staff, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, the aides, even those who work in, in HR and, and support roles are overwhelmed by the amount of hours that they're having to put in just dealing with the medical crisis resulting from the virus. It's important for us to be praying for and encouraging these professionals all around the world. And so I wanna begin our service together before we look at an incredible passage in the Word I want us to begin by praying together for those who are serving in the medical field. So I want you to think about someone you know who's a doctor, a nurse, maybe they're an aide, or they just work in some way in the medical field. And would you be praying for them specifically as we pray together to the Lord? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our healer. Thank you that you're the one that we can turn to that gives strength and sustenance and life to our bodies. Thank you also, Lord, that you raise up men and women who serve as your hands and feet, as your instruments, Lord, in bringing healing to a body. They're able to treat injuries and disease. And Lord, right now, many of them are feeling overwhelmed by the task in front of them. Would you just sustain them with your grace? Would you lift them up and empower them? And Lord, would you show us as your church how to stand with them how to encourage them, how to bless them. Lord, I pray that you not only will sustain them, but during this time, you'll bring many of them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, a relationship with him, because ultimately, you are our strength. And we pray for those who've been impacted by the virus. We ask, Lord, that you would touch their lives, you would bring healing and strength, but most of all, that during this time, you will draw many hearts to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all these things in his great and mighty name. Amen. Well, today we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 2 that is very special to me. Um, I've entitled this message, Carried to Christ, because it's a story about a paralyzed man and four friends who are willing to go through great obstacles in order to bring their friend to Jesus. As a young man, this passage impacted me greatly. In fact, when Becky and I were dating, I was serving as an emergency medical technician on an ambulance, in part because of this passage, because that's what I saw myself as, as what God was calling me to do. I could never see myself as a pastor or a preacher, and that's still hard for me to imagine. But to do something hands-on that served others really resonated with my heart. And the Lord opened up the opportunity for me to be able to serve in that way. And so standing outside of an emergency room is just a reminder 
that our help comes from above. Just like in this story, God uses ordinary people with their gifts, their skills, and their abilities to be his instruments in healing. But ultimately, help comes from above. And that's one of the things that I really love about this passage. So let's open up the scripture right now. And again, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, a clip from the Luma Project, which is just set to scripture, and, and it has all four Gospels. And we're going to look at this passage in Mark chapter 2, and then we're going to examine it together from the Word. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. By digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Isn't that an amazing passage? Did, did you love seeing how these four friends were willing to tear through the roof in order to bring their friend to Jesus? What's portrayed in the film is a very accurate picture historically. The homes in that day oftentimes had stairs that would lead up the, out, uh, the outside to the roof area. In fact, 1 Kings talks about how Elijah lived on the roof uh, at the widow of Nain's house. And so it's very much uh, an accurate portrayal of what it would have been like. They were willing to do all kinds of things in order to get their friend to Jesus. And that's an inspiration. It should encourage us and embolden us in our faith. One of the things I love about the face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks in the gospel is how they're multidimensional. You see, God is doing a work in the paralyzed man's life, in the friends. He's doing a work in those who are there who are criticizing him, those scribes and religious leaders. He's, he's working in all kinds of ways 
in one setting in one incredible miracle. And what happens is that face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus becomes a faith encounter with Jesus. And my prayer is, is that God will inspire us as we examine his face-to-face -face encounters in the word to have a greater faith encounter with him and a greater desire to share our faith with others. Well, this story has some amazing things I wanna point out um, that I hope will be an encouragement to you and embolden your faith. First of all, when we look at the friends, the paralyzed man's friends carried him to Jesus because they were concerned about his need. Now, can you imagine what it would have been like if, if they would have just went and had a conversation with the paralyzed man and said, you know, we've heard about this guy, Jesus, who in other parts of Galilee has been healing people and doing miracles. It's really, really amazing. And you know what? If you get a chance, you should go. Well, they didn't do that. They didn't just talk about it. They were willing to take their concern and put it into action and literally carry him to Jesus. Wow, that's part of our role. In fact, that's part of our role in prayer. Do you realize that when you're praying for someone else, you're carrying their heart, their presence, their spirit before the Lord, asking him to work in their life, to intercede. That's a beginning point. But they weren't content to just pray for him. They wanted to practically serve his needs. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do as well. Because here's the thing. Physical needs often serve as the bridge to deeper spiritual needs and deeper spiritual encounters. And if we can allow the Lord to speak to us and be receptive when he prompts us to obey him promptly, we will see God do great and mighty things in the lives of those around us and in our own life as well. But we have to be obedient to the Lord's prompting. These four friends were obedient to the Lord. They cared about the man's need. In essence, they understood um, what the scripture tells us about the way we are to love others. And what I love about this passage is Jesus, in commenting on it, says when he saw their faith, it began with a response to them bringing the man to them. We're designed, we're called to help bring people to Christ in prayer, in service and in communicating the truth of the gospel so that they can have a faith encounter with him as well. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep. In other words, we are to care incredibly deeply. We're to get involved in the lives of others. Right now, during the, the social isolation requirements, it's especially hard on families who've lost loved ones. If you know someone who's lost a loved one, either due to the virus or some other cause, they're going through an incredibly hard time because they weren't even able to have a funeral where they could come together and comfort one another and celebrate the life of the one that they lost. So it's an especially important time for us to reach out. And so if you know someone who's lost a loved one, let me challenge you to show them that you care by just reaching out to them. Don't worry that you don't have the right words to say because there are no right words to say. Just let them know you care. Let them know that you're with them and see if there's ways that you can pray for them. In fact, ask them a little bit about maybe that individual and how they impacted their life. Give them a chance to help them grieve and find healing in the Lord. And most importantly, pray for them
and pray with them. We're to weep with those who weep. We're also to rejoice with those who rejoice. So as you see people having good things happen during this time, make sure you rejoice with them. Reach out, get involved in others' lives. Even though we're separated, we can't physically be together, we still can connect with one another if we're intentional and we follow the instructions of the scripture. This is what these four friends did. They cared so much about the paralyzed man that they were willing to do whatever it took. You see, it, they chose to be intentional. And that's the second point I would point out to you. The friends were intentional to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. Do you see how well that reflects Jesus? The king of the universe, the creator of everything, the God who made us and sustains us, and the scripture says, in him we live and move and have our being. He humbled himself and became a servant, and he served our needs. His ministry on earth was characterized by service, but his greatest ministry, that of going to the cross for us, was his greatest service as well one that we have all benefited from if we placed our trust in Jesus as Savior and as Lord. He calls us to be a reflection of him, to serve others and to be intentional to look for those who are in need. How would your life be different if you began every day praying to the Lord, Lord, would you show me someone today that you want me to serve, that you want me to show your goodness, your kindness, your love to and then follow up on that by listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting when he leads you to an individual that he wants you to respond to. I believe it'll change us, and through that, many people will discover an accurate view of who Jesus truly is. Well, the most important part in this passage is what Jesus does. In fact, any passage you see in the scripture, that's the part to ultimately zoom in on, is what Jesus is doing. Because Jesus honored the faith of the four friends and of the man himself and met the paralytic's deepest need. Jesus saw the need beneath the surface. This man was paralyzed. Everyone could see that. And that need was significant, but it wasn't his biggest need. When Jesus responds to him, he says, your sins are forgiven. He addresses the deepest need that he has, a need for a right relationship with God by the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Now he goes on to meet his physical need as well, but that physical need became a bridge that served his deeper spiritual need. And oftentimes that's what happens. That's one of the reasons why God calls us to practically serve others. That's why we have homeless ministry. That's why we um, serve alongside of dignity and refugee ministry. That's why we encourage one another to reach out to those who are in need, help people who are suffering within the congregation, because those physical needs often become a bridge to greater and deeper spiritual needs. When I was a young man, I had a friend by the name of David, and David was born without any arms or legs because of a medication his mother had taken while she was pregnant. But David was a remarkable man. Uh, as a boy, we used to play together, especially swim together, and I was always amazed at the things he could do despite his disability. Everyone could see that David was missing his arms and legs, but many could not see that there was a deeper need within him. You see, when he was born, his father could not conceive of the idea that he had brought forth 
a child that was not perfect. And so he abandoned the family. And so David grew up with a father hunger, much like what we talked about last week. He didn't have a clear view of the father because it was distorted by the way his physical human father had responded to him and rejected him. His deeper need was spiritual. That's the case in many of us. In fact, that's the case in all of us. We have a deep spiritual need for a savior. Jesus responds to the man's deeper need and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then to demonstrate that he had the power to forgive sins because he was God in the flesh, he then said to the paralyzed man, take up your bed and walk. You are healed. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus does that to demonstrate his power and to show everyone gathered in the room, including his critics, who he truly was, a glimpse of his real identity as the God of the universe come in flesh. Jesus has met our deepest need. He is the one who provides forgiveness when we trust in him as Savior and as Lord. Several years ago, I was in Nepal and I saw a beautiful picture of salvation displayed in a bridge. I've used that phrase often here in the message this morning that physical needs often serve as a bridge to spiritual needs. Well, this is where that came from. I was um, doing a project in uh, filming in Nepal, and as we were driving along the road through the Chirai towards Kathmandu, I saw a suspension bridge across the river. And when I saw that bridge, it was a huge bridge across a mighty river, and I wanted to get a, a video shot of that bridge. And so I got out, I got my camera set up at the foot of the bridge there, and I began to film, and I, I began filming, and, and as I was um, setting up the camera, I saw there was a commotion on the side of, at the foot of the bridge on the other side of the river. I couldn't tell what was going on when I first saw it, but I could tell that something, something big was happening there. And then I got my camera and I began to set up the shot and I began to zoom out from the middle of the bridge. And as I did, I saw a man carrying another man on his back. And it was amazing. I was, I was just hoping to get a shot, a video clip of walking across. I had no idea that I would have a divine appointment. Because see, what happened as I began to zoom out, I saw this man carrying the one on his back, and you could tell that the one on his, on his back was deeply injured. In fact, he was paralyzed. And traveling along behind him was one other man, and eventually they make it across the bridge, and they come to us, and we enter into a conversation, and we discover that the man has had a stroke. And that his son, the one who was carrying him, had been carrying him for two days to try to get him to a hospital in Kathmandu. And so we were able to provide transportation for the man, for his son, and for the other man, which was uh, the man's brother, to get them to the hospital so that he could get medical care. But as I thought about that picture and, and replayed the video over and over again, I saw what a beautiful picture that is of salvation. Because you see, we're just like that paralyzed man. Spiritually, we're incapable of doing anything to save ourselves. Someone else had to carry us to God, Jesus Christ. He had to carry us all the way to the Father. And that's what he did on the cross. He took your sin and my sin, the, paral the paralysis of sin that had made us incapable of having a spiritual relationship with God that separated us from him, he took that on himself and carried us 
to the Father. When we place our trust in Christ, what we're doing is saying, Lord, carry me to the Father. Bring me into a relationship with you. And it's incredibly beautiful. But the story has one more element that I didn't realize even in that conversation and reflecting on it. Because after we sent the man on his way to the hospital, we crossed the bridge. I wanted to get some shots from the other side. And when we got to the point where I saw that there was something going on, that commotion on the other side at the foot of the bridge, there at the head of the bridge lay a cobra that had been slain. You see, what had happened was, in order for the man to carry the other man across the bridge, he first had to kill a serpent. The serpent was lying in wait there for a victim at the head of the bridge. And what I had seen from a distance that I couldn't quite tell what was going on was the man taking a machete and killing the snake. What a picture of what Jesus has done in defeating our enemy, Satan, and defeating sin and death. He has defeated all of our enemies and then carried us to the Father. That's what salvation is. Now here's, here's the thing for us. God has called us to also be instruments that help bring people to Jesus, that share with them who he is and what he's done in our life. How can you do that? Well, obviously we can't save anyone. We can't physically carry someone to Christ for salvation, but we can bring them into a faith encounter with him. Let me give you some practical steps that you can do. First of all, what I want to challenge you to do this week is to write down your own faith encounter story with Jesus. Write down what he has done in your life, how he's changed you, how he's met your needs, how he's taken your sin and changed the person that you are. Share a little bit about what he means to you. And then I want to encourage you to do this. In the relationships that you have, begin asking this question to begin to probe a little deeper. Ask others who's had the biggest impact on your life and then listen carefully to what they say. Ask questions that follow up on that. Find out about the person that really means a lot to them. And understand when, you, when someone shares with you that this individual, uh, a a parent or a teacher or a brother or sister or a friend has had an impact on their life. They're sharing something very personal and very deep. You need to guard that as a treasure. You need to keep it confidential, but also you want to probe a little deeper and, 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 and listen to what they're saying. Eventually, as you do that and you come back and follow up on that, they're going to ask you something similar. Well, who's really made a difference in your life? And that'll be the chance when you can share what Jesus has done in your life with them. And you can share from the scriptures about who he is and how he's changed you and transformed you. If we begin to do that on a regular basis, God will open up opportunities for us to help people have faith encounters with Jesus. Now let me give you just a few other tips that go along with that about sharing our faith because it's important that, that we take the right approach. It's important, first of all, that we be relational. They are a person, not a project. Make a commitment to love the person whether or not they ever trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Respond to them with the same kind of grace that, grace that God has responded to you and me with. He is incredible. Listen first. Make sure 
that people know you're interested in them, not just in what you have to say. Follow up with questions about what they're saying long before you say anything. Fourthly, it's more important to form a relationship with the person than it is to get through a presentation of the gospel in one setting. Don't be pressured into do, doing that, but also listen for the Holy Spirit to prompt you. And, and the most important step is to pray firsthand, to pray that God will enable you to listen and enable you to speak what he would have you to say, to know whether it's the right timing and the right words to be able to share. And finally, don't allow fear to keep you from entering into spiritual conversations. God has given us an incredible treasure. He's given us salvation. People right now are looking for hope. They're looking for meaning. They're wrestling with questions. Many of them are suffering in a way during this time of isolation from greater depression, discouragement. Their self-worth has been crushed because many have lost jobs. They're economically suffering. This is a time for us to stand with them and show them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and be instruments that can help carry them towards Jesus so that they can have a faith encounter with him. Help comes from above. Just like those four men opening up the roof and lowering their friend down through the roof to Jesus, that's what we're called to do day after day with the people around us. Would you pray that God would enable you to do that? To give you the boldness to be able to love like Jesus and then carry them lovingly towards him by sharing your faith relationship with Christ. If we do that, we'll see God do incredible and beautiful things.